Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest foxcasting either side of the breach. In this episode, we have the second half of Role Reversal. As you may remember, Padita Ortega, Lady Justice, and Sonia Creed have all received mysterious letters inviting them to a rendezvous at the old brickworks. But when they arrive, they were met with strange and terrifying foes. I hope you enjoy the conclusion of our tale, right after this word from our sponsors. This episode of the Breachside Broadcast is brought to you by Deborah's Disguises. We've got a huge selection of wigs, masks and face paint that can transform a pauper into a queen and a wanted felon into an upstanding citizen. If you want to leave your past behind or spy on a loved one, come to Deborah's for a free consultation. When we're done with you, your own grandmother won't recognise you. The doppelganger advanced with smooth strides. It even walks like me, Sonya realized, taking a step back. This was no arcanist trick. This was something else. Something she'd never encountered before. Something alien. Although there was no facial expression behind that blank mask, there was a suggestion in the apparition's movements that indicated it was not friendly. A loud crack sounded up ahead, on the right and she caught a blue flash out of the corner of her eye. Her alter ego glanced that way for an instant, and Sonia saw her chance. She raised both hands and pushed. Twin fireballs erupted from her palms, merging into a single whirling yellow planet of flame that washed over her opponent. Not leaving anything to chance, Sonia kept the pressure on, turning the flames almost white as the temperature soared. Cherufe strained to be free, twisting within her, trying to exercise its power through her. If she let it, there was a chance the current of energy would become so great that she would be unable to stop it again. Thick, noxious smoke spewed into the air as she roasted the pretender, squinting against the glare to look for a staggering figure amid the scorching maelstrom, but there was nothing. After ten seconds or so, she dropped her arms and sagged, having put a lot of effort into the blast while trying to restrain the angry tyrant. The flames persisted a few moments longer, swirling around a shape that was emerging. It resolved itself as her doppelganger, quite unharmed and none the worse for wear. There wasn't even any charring around her duster. Fireproof, huh? she said, disappointed. The alter ego came forward again, opening its hands which were twisting into long, jagged claws. 
Sonya reached over her shoulder and drew her ruined blade with a jerk, holding the weapon with both hands as she settled into a combat stance. Looks like we'll have to do this the old-fashioned way. The creature hissed and leapt at her. Lady Justice swung her greatsword as another boiling hiss streaked toward her. The metal spanged as she deflected the attacking energy, but she felt the nimbus of its power scorching the flesh of her face. That one had been close. Whoever was up there, there were no resurrectionists. Resurrectionists didn't throw balls of energy that blasted apart stone slabs. It was similar to parrying a weapon. She heard the ripping air as the projectile lanced down toward her, and though she could not twist around, she deflected with her sword. Unfortunately, these blasts of energy were more forceful than a sword impact and travelling many times faster. She grunted as she took another strike on her greatsword, driving her back a step. She could feel the heat emanating from her weapon as the steel's temperature increased with every strike. There was no fear that the blade would shatter. Indeed, its manufacture had been so thorough she wasn't certain if anything could break it. But she had a legitimate concern over what one of those energy blasts would do to her body were it to get through her defences. Another hiss crack, and this time she rolled, letting stone splinters blast across her legs. The one saving grace of these attacks was that the detonations were so loud they gave her a very clear image of her surroundings for some distance. She had already identified that there were four brick kilns in this chamber, all in a row. Multiple smaller shapes littered the floor in all directions, but were inanimate, and she had temporarily filed them under furniture until there was time for closer inspection. There were also two shapes moving about a hundred feet to her left, but their position and inclinations suggested to her they were currently too concerned with each other to present any immediate threat. Gunfire started up unexpectedly to her right, as she ducked against the closest oven and was showered in chunks of brick from another energy blast, perhaps a couple of hundred feet away. Large caliber, most likely pistol fire, very fast, an accomplished pistolier. This information processed through her mind while she sought respite from the sniper overhead. She bolted around to the far side of the oven, pressing herself against the rough brick and listened to the sniper change its position, smallish feet banging the metal gantry as they sought another angle to recommence the barrage. The figure was quick, but already breathing hard, she could hear. High-pitched, female or a large child, and inexperienced. The stink of nervous sweat was stronger. Whoever was up there was no expert, but they had power. Almost certainly an arcanist from the nature of the attack. An alliance, she speculated, as she slithered around another face of the oven, keeping the bricks between herself and the sniper. Arcanist and resurrectionist finding common purpose against the guild? Such a thing was possible, she supposed. She'd be sure to ask the sniper before she killed her. Perdita dropped her lantern, catching it on her boot to prevent it smashing, drew her left peacebringer at the same time, and emptied both pistols with blinding speed into the shambling cadaver. Bullets rang like rain against the creature's face and upper torso, and bright blue-white sparks flashed in the darkness, as each one caromed off thick steel plating. The flesh of its face was mostly ripped away in the onslaught, 
and she could see more clearly why it had looked so distended. The head was little more than a metal bucket with two eyes fixed in sockets. The skin of the face had simply been stretched over the top like a pillowcase. Benita's pistols were powerful, but that metal had to be an inch thick, and she had done nothing more than dent it. Madre Dios, she muttered, keeping her lantern balanced on one boot while she snapped open both revolvers and speed reloaded the one and then the other. The resurrectionist cadaver, for it could not be anything else, continued to march inexorably forward, closing the distance from thirty feet to twenty to ten. Perdita took a hop back, still balancing the lantern, and unloaded another twelve shots into the monstrosity in the space of three seconds. Another fusillade of sparks and more rolling gun thunder, but the cadaver was otherwise unharmed. Mierda, she cursed, holding her left pistol and ducking under a huge swiping arm, snatching up her lantern and dancing back out of range. Where did you come from, eh? The creature didn't answer, marching forward on thick armoured legs. You think because you are Duro you will beat me? She snapped, walking steadily backwards to keep a buffer between herself and the meat hulk. You're wrong, Mariliente. Anyone else would probably have balked in the face of this undead juggernaut, but it had never occurred to Perdita to be scared at any time in her life. Such was her faith in her skills and in her family. This was just another obstacle to be surmounted, just another enemy to be beaten. All she needed was a plan. You're more slow, Malaliente, she goaded, as the creature lumbered after her. Lento y estupido. I got a surprise for you. Wait and see, eh? Carrying the lantern was getting to be a hindrance, but she had an idea about that. She placed the lantern on the ground and stepped to her right. As expected, the iron cadaver swung to follow her. As it drew near, she began to circle away to her left, around the circumference of the lantern. The creature followed, trudging around in a circle, which rather conveniently kept it within the area of illumination, so she could see it clearly, and left both her hands free. It kept its arms extended, no doubt to crush the life from her if she ever stopped moving, which she had no intention of doing. It appeared that this thing was already moving at top speed, and was evidently dumb enough to constantly follow her, circling the lantern. Not too smart, are you, amigo? she laughed, spilling empty shell casings onto the stone as she reloaded. The cadaver crunched them flat with its heavy feet as it followed her. It was clear that her forty-five rounds were not going to get through that armoured chassis, but she had another idea. The bucket head was just that, a bucket, open at the bottom, and somewhere in among all that meat and stitching was a spine. She'd need something with a bit more grunt, but luckily enough, she had a few of those in her belt. She'd also need to be dead on target, and after a moment's lip-chewing, she went for her right hand, which was arguably the better shot, although the bias was microscopic. Let's see how you like this, Pedro Aliento, she said, snapping open her right peace-bringer and loading a witched bullet into the chamber. Whatever this thing was, it was fast. As fast as she was. Every slash with the ruined sword was parried by those long black claws, no matter what feint she tried, no matter what footing. It gave as good as it got, too, ripping at her with both hands, 
and only through superhuman effort had Sonia managed to avoid being torn open like a sandbag. She had learned there were differences, though. A couple of times they'd clinched and matched strengths, and in those moments she'd seen its eyes through the mask. Unlike hers, they were bright silver and highly reflective, like mirrors, and it wasn't getting tired like she was. The battle felt more than a touch one-sided now. The doppelganger seemed to be on the attack more often, while she was on the back foot a lot more, and fighting to keep her sword between herself and those razor claws. It seemed that this creature had somehow inherited all of her strengths, her speed, her skill, and discarded her weaknesses, namely that humans felt fatigue. Whatever this thing was, it wasn't human. Never born, Sonya smirked. She didn't often have the pleasure. Where was Perdita when he needed her? She had also noted the interior of the crate was mirrored, which was more than passing strange. Exactly why that was the case she couldn't say, but she was beginning to realise that it might be the only edge she had over her opponent, and she'd better figure it out soon. Those black claws came in for another pass, and Sonia knocked them away, her arms and shoulders trembling from the sustained effort. The bourbon was taking its toll now, and the sleepless nights with Jerufe scratching at the inside of her skull. Sweat sprang out on her forehead and neck, and her breathing was getting laboured, and it seemed she wasn't alone in her struggle. Lights flickered from far down the chamber, and the sounds of gunfire and explosions followed. Like everything else that had happened since she'd got that note, she had no real idea what was going on, but there simply wasn't time to worry about that now. There was no way to drive the creature back. It was every bit as skilled as she, and had retained its energy, while hers was draining away. But there was nothing stopping her from moving. She fell back, masking the change of direction as a stagger, and circled around her alter ego, leaping backwards towards the crate, while the doppelganger slashed at her throat. Her ruined sword rang and vibrated with each parried stroke, but she felt the crate nudge the back of her thigh, and knew her position was as good as it was likely to get. With all the strength she had left, she swung a two-handed blow aimed at its neck. Her alter ego jerked back as the tip of the sword whistled past its collar with inches to spare, but Sonya was already twisting around. She kicked the back of the crate and flipped it forwards, tipping the open mouth of the crate right in front of the doppelganger. The creature looked down, and as its eyes met the kaleidoscopic interior of the mirrored crate, it shrieked. Its form instantly lost clarity and swam, as though seen through a heat haze. Its silver eyes widened and bulged, having nothing to imitate but its own false reflection. In that moment of weakness, Sonia rammed her sword through her alter ego's chest with an exultant cry, sinking it almost to the hilt, and projecting three feet of sharp steel out between its shoulder blades, smeared with black ooze. The doppelganger howled and bucked on the sword, but Sonya held on, teeth gritted. It was already shriveling, turning black and withering like a paper doll held over a bonfire. The mask crumpled, and the creature's limbs atrophied into twisted roots, while viscous black goo pumped from the mortal wound. Sonya drew her sword out with a grunt, and the thing folded over like an empty sausage skin, flopping half into the crate, half out of it, as it continued to deflate and collapse into itself. In seconds, it was little more than a shriveled collection of blackened sticks in a puddle of tar. Well, 
she panted to herself. That was unpleasant. There was an enormous jangling crash behind her. Lady Justice had had her fill. She'd been chased from pillar to post by blasts of energy, and her flesh prickled in a dozen places where sharp stone splinters had pierced her. The greatsword was giving off so much heat that she suspected it was probably glowing a dull red, and her panting assassin in the gantry had shown no sign of running out of firepower. But her time had been spent more constructively than just avoiding death by energy projectile. She had led the assassin around the gantry twice, to be sure, and from the explosions had picked out that the structure was reinforced by two iron girders, one on her side of the closest oven, and one on the other. The whole assembly creaked anxiously every time the assassin moved, and she had surmised that having the assassin's weight over one of these supports when it was removed would be more than enough to collapse it. It took several more feints, and one very close call where she almost took a blast to the small of her back, but she got the assassin to rush out to the end of the gantry, and what they surely mistook for a chance to deliver the killing blow. And that was when she struck. With preternatural speed, Lady Justice whirled and ripped the greatsword through the iron girder at her shoulder with a monumental blow. The keen weapon passed right through with a diagonal slash, splitting the metal and exposing the first clean iron the brickworks had seen in many a year. She heard the gantry overhead screech in anguish, in tandem with her would-be assassin, and then it started to come down around her ears. Rivets popped, fatigued metal snapped, and a long section of gantry dropped through twenty-five feet of space to land with a thunderous impact on the stone. Lady Justice held her ground, sensing the metal tumbling down around her, listening for the assassin. She heard her opponent's scream cut short by a heavy thud and muffled crunch of breaking bone, followed by a groan of pain. Vaulting the toppled gantry, she landed on her foe, driving the breath from her with a sharp knee, while simultaneously jerking her head back by the hair and pressing the still-hot blade to her throat. "'Who are you?' she hissed, leaning hard on the knee. The assassin wheezed, and a single weak hand pushed ineffectually. Presumably it was the other arm that she'd heard break. "'Who are you?' she hissed again. Who are you working for? Speak. Please, the assassin gasped. She sounded young. Please. A double gunshot rang out somewhere behind her, the second shot by far the louder. Perdita let the lurching cadaver close the distance. This had to be just perfect for it to work, and the closer she was, the better the angle would be for the second shot. Its arms raised again. Thick fingers splayed in anticipation of closing around her neck, and in turn she raised her two peace-bringers, the left and the right. Come and get it, estupido, she whispered, bouncing on the balls of her feet. Just as the huge resurrectionist nightmare was about to grab her, she fired with her left. The bullet smacked the creature square in the forehead and jolted its head back, sending the ratty black wig flying. In the same instant, Perdita squeezed the right trigger. The blast was enormous, 
and the world flashed orange as the witched bullet screamed from the barrel. It went straight through the creature's neck, punching through layers of meat and tendon, and smashing the spine to fragments. The concussion from the shot was so immense that it pulverized what was left of the cadaver's neck, while the bullet ripped out the base of its skull, rang the bucket helmet like a bell, and caromed off into the darkness. The cadaver took another faltering step, and then, ever so slowly, its bucket head peeled off with a slurp and thudded to the ground between its feet. Perdita grinned as it hovered that way for some time, until she gave it a shove and it fell on its back like a dropped tombstone. It didn't move again. How do you like that bucket head? she snapped, spinning both revolvers and slipping them back into their holsters with a flourish. That was fun. No! screamed an outraged voice behind her. Snatching up her lantern, Perdita swung around to throw orange light over the area and saw a swathed figure racing across the chamber floor towards something hunched by one of the huge squat structures. The shape unfolded blindingly fast and put the point of its long sword against the throat of the robed assailant, stopping them dead in their tracks with hands raised. Perdita squinted through the gloom and stepped closer. Lady Justice? When Sonia arrived, in her opinion the situation had only become more confusing. Lady Justice was standing amid the twisted ruins of a fallen gantry, covered in black soot and scratches like she'd been boxing a cat, holding the point of her greatsword against the throat of a tall, angular shape in a robe. At her feet was a squirming kid with long blonde hair, and one arm bent all out of shape, and walking around the oven behind her was was Perdita Ortega holding a lantern and a pistol. Of course it was, and no doubt the Governor-General was hiding somewhere around here too, about to make an unexpected appearance. Perdita glanced in her direction as she approached, and judging by the way her eyebrows shot up, Sonia wasn't the only one astonished to find anyone else here. Perdita, Lady Justice, what's going on? she asked. You tell me, amiga, Perdita shot back, looking nonplussed. I just got here myself. We should ask our mutual friend, Lady Justice said. The point of her sword held rock steady against the throat of the tall robed figure. Without moving the blade an inch, she leaned forward and sniffed. Rose hips. Rose hips, she said with some satisfaction. Rose hips, Perdita echoed. Why don't you ask our friend here about the letters, Lady Justice continued. You got one too? blurted Sonia in the instant before she realized of course they both got letters. Otherwise they wouldn't be here now to look at her like she was an idiot. It wasn't meant to end like this, wailed the garbed figure. You weren't meant to win. Who are you? Sonia asked, although there was something about the strangely androgynous voice that suggested she might know this person. What does it matter now? the figure whined. Just kill me and be done with it. My life is in ruins anyway. I remember you now, Lady Justice said. She tapped her steel heel on the stone twice in apparent impatience, then flipped the heavy cowl up and away with the point of her sword. Gara di Caballo, gasped Perdita. Maud, 
Sonia whispered to herself when she saw the long, miserable face streaked with tears. It all came back to her in a flash. It had been at least a month ago, or possibly two, when the big, angular shape had first accosted her. Sonia had momentarily mistaken it for a man due to its height and big bony hands and wrists, until she had taken a closer look and realised it was a woman. A huge, awkward, unlovely woman, with burn marks on her face and neck. She had long bronze hair, a suspiciously similar shade to her own, combed out over both shoulders and had an abundance of makeup to cover the scars, which wasn't working. She had babbled in an excitable fashion about how she wanted to be an arcanist hunter just like Sonia, how she'd already grown out her hair like her and had a duster just like hers, and how it would be splendid if they could fight together back to back like sisters, and how they looked a little bit like sisters in a certain light. Sonia had shrugged her off, but the woman persisted, following behind and yattering about how her name was Maud Mole, and how her husband had recently passed on, and she was considering using her inheritance to buy property in Malifaux so she could be close to Sonia's headquarters, in case she was needed in a hurry. Sonia endured days of questions on how come she looked so great, and what products did she use in her hair, and what was the best way to kill an arcanist, and could she teach Maud how to summon fire like she did, before she finally snapped. She'd come close to being killed by an especially vicious and unstable arcanist in the Badlands, and returned to Malifaux intending to go on a two-day drunk. Maud had accosted her outside the saloon, and Sonia had given her a tongue lashing. She hadn't seen the woman since. Maud, why have you done this? Lady Justice asked, great sword held dangerously in the air. Apparently she knew the woman as well. Yeah, Perdita jumped in. Why'd you seek that resurrectionist nightmare on me? I'll admit it was a fun challenge, but I thought you wanted to be me, not that you wanted to kill me. She's in league with the Resurrectionists? Justice gritted her teeth and raised her sword. Perdita held out a hand. Let's hear your story, amiga. Maud's eyes darted from woman to woman, and she licked the sides of her lips. Her head was bald, the burns covering her scalp. You took everything from me! She shrieked. I had a nice house in downtown, a rich husband, looks, youth, children. Her voice trailed off. But one day the guild came for my husband, and he was so dangerous they had to send all three of you, she spat. Sonia's eyes gleamed with remembrance. There had been a high-ranking, corrupt guild official whom they had to dispatch last year. He had sold secrets to arcanists, resurrectionists, and even certain Neverborn. There was no knowing which of his contacts would be guarding him, so they took no chances. They went in force, and burned everything. At first, at first I snapped, Maud continued. I couldn't handle the thoughts of you, how you were allowed to get away with it. Given accolades, worshipped as heroes, she wheezed. As my children burned... I became obsessed. I had to understand. I had to know how you could... How you could... Tears were streaming down her face. Perita leaned down and put a hand on Maud's shoulder. Surprisingly, she didn't flinch away. Eventually, I came to my senses. Maud's voice was a whisper now. I had to have my revenge. I used what was left of my husband's wealth and his... Contacts. I used everything I had setting this up. And I failed. I failed them. She wept into her hands. 
Just kill me already. Don't make me relive it. Nobody is going to kill you, Amiga. It was a matter of family. I understand family, Perdita whispered. But she was using, Justice started. Nobody is going to kill her. Perdita gave her companions a hard stare. We've done enough to her. Besides, another challenge would never hurt, eh? She smiled. Justice ground her teeth. I need your word. Perdita glared at both of them. Sonia gave Lady Justice a meaningful squeeze on the shoulder. You have our word that Maud will not be killed. Perdita nodded. It's a long ride back to Latigo. I know your word is good. She gave them one last glare and strode out of the warehouse. Maud whimpered and looked up at the two remaining women. But... But what do I do now? Sonia helped her up. There was a time you wanted to be me, wasn't there? Is there any of that left? Would you like to work with me? Maybe help to prevent future collateral damage. Maud stared for a long time, then nodded. You... You regret what you did to me. Of course, Sonia let out a breath. I have the perfect place for you in my organization. I think you will be a perfectly loyal subordinate, and you will be able to hunt Arcanists all you like. Lady Justice's mouth turned down slightly as she realized what Sonya was implying. She was never pleased by the method. Even so, better than having a resurrectionist sympathizer running around unsupervised. We'll supply you with everything you need, Sonya said her voice conveying a grin that her cold, uncaring mask could not. Weapons, clothing. Why, you'll even get your own room. I have just the one. A yellow room with a yellow door. Doesn't that sound lovely, Maud? As they left the warehouse, the groans of the arcanists still trapped under the beams faded into the night. enjoyed this episode of the Breachside Broadcast. Join us next time for more Tales of Malifaux.